When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and I'm so excited to have a very special guest with me this week. I'm going to be joined by... Dr. Sheila Robinson. Sheila is the founder of Diversity Woman Media. And later in the show, as always, we'll be joined by Sherry Marson, our Lifestyle Watch contributor. And she's going to be speaking with Sue Miller. Sue is the owner and uh, fabulous cheesemaker of Bertrand Hills Farm in Chester County, just outside of Philadelphia. If you're new to the show, as always, um, you can learn more about our lineup and anything going on outside of the show by visiting womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I'm very honored and excited to welcome to the show, Dr. Sheila Robinson. Well, hello. Thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here with you and with your audience. Well, thank you. You and I have been talking for a very long time, and I finally got you on the show. (laughs) For years. I feel like we're family right now. (laughs) Oh, I I do as well. So tell us, where where are you joining us from? Well, I am from North Carolina, and I am joining you today from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So it's such a quick ride to uh, visit the ocean in this time of the year, such a beautiful time. So yeah. I am I am having fun with Sue, and then I'll have fun with the ocean right after. <laughs> oh, I wish I was with you. I love to be by the water. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, when I was preparing for the interview and reading about your background and your upbringing, and um, I know that you're the youngest of three girls, and your mom was a huge impact in your life. And I kept thinking to myself, it sounds like that house was full of girl power. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about your mom and, mm-hmm. and a little bit about your upbringing and that messaging that, you know, she really instilled in you about working for what you want. Yeah. Well, I neglected to leave my dad out because unfortunately my father died when I was 10, but my mm-hmm. father raised the his three girls who was his part Um, We came up as daddy's girls and we were very spoiled. And mom, believe it or not, was the uh, disciplinarian in the home. He would even say, wait till your mom comes home. Thank you. And my mother was a a educator, a teacher. She um, received her master's and she's still with us at 89 years old. And my father uh, worked in one of the the major manufacturers at that time, RJ Reynolds Tobacco Company, you know, until his uh, passing uh, at a very young age. And so I, it was the, you know, that my sisters are five and six years older than I am. It's almost like I came up with three moms after my dad mm-hmm. died, but yeah. it was a fun, loving household. Um, my mother was uh, strict about getting an education. Her philosophy is, it's something you'll die with. It's the only thing that can't be taken from you is your mm-hmm. education. And it's also a tool and a resource that you could do lots of things with. And so education was um, very, very key and taken very seriously in my home. 
How were you as a student? Because you went on to receive a master's and a doctorate in education at Penn here yeah. in, in Philadelphia, University of Pennsylvania. Were you a good student? Was, was school easy for you or did you have to work hard? You know, great question. And everyone will be very surprised to hear this, but I hated school. I did not like school. I only liked the extracurricular activities and I was involved in every club I can be in. I was a cheerleader and on through graduate school, I actually ended up getting two masters and a doctorate. And one would say, how could one really d dislike school as much as I did and continue to do my education? And it was because it was the class work that I was doing that I did not like. But once you get into graduate programs, you are focused on the actual task at hand, which my focus was entrepreneurship, how to, uh, you know, researching everything I could um, about women and women in leadership and women in history. And so, you know, I encourage anyone that may have been like me that didn't like um, high school, that once you get in uh, graduate school, it really is a research project. And so what I found out is, no, I don't particularly like taking tests and going to class, but I love research. Mm -hmm. And so it was the research and I love, I, I actually love learning. Um, uh, just don't, don't, I don't like that undergrad and that high school, but that graduate school experience was fascinating to me to be able to identify a problem that exists and to be able to go out and research and interview people and write papers on it. So mm -hmm. I do like writing papers. I do like the research part about it. And it was directly aligned with my business. So it became a fascinating journey and one that, you know, I ended up really liking that part of it. That's a really interesting um, subject matter because we talk sometimes on the show about when college, that experience, all of those electives and courses that we're told we have to take that we have no interest in mm -hmm. um, are difficult until we jump right into that subject matter that really we're most passionate about. Exactly. I yeah. agree. So when go back to that little girl, what were your aspirations? I know you had a love of sports and you mentioned you were a cheerleader. Um, my guess is you were very social. Yes. Um, you enjoyed fashion. Did you know when you were very little that you wanted to work for yourself one day? Another thing I would have never done. All I wanted to do was to grow up, get a great job, eight to five and get married and have a wonderful family. That was my dream. And because I was a talker, I was the youngest, my mom always say, you should be an attorney. You're going to be a great attorney. So I did <laughs> go to undergrad school in political science, just following what everyone says I would be good at, because that's what you do when you're young. You follow what people say you should do. And I did not like um, political science or um, the pre-law program that I was in. It just was not me. I ended up falling in love with a, a career in marketing that I had once I graduated from college, which actually brought me to where I am. So um, interesting, though, when you talk about that little young girl, you know, as everyone could see, I am a woman, a woman of color and a black woman and from the South, you know, all things that unfortunately um, can bring uh, biases against me. So as a very little girl, I used to dream of wanting to be a television anchor woman. But I was so ashamed of even thinking that I can even possibly be something like that, that I never told anyone. But that was that in that inner little girl, that was that secret in me. But fast forward to today, as I, I'm not a television anchor woman, but I'm still in media. You know, I, I, I published two magazines, I've written three books, have been on television shows all over the country, even having my recent, my, my most recent magazine featured on Entertainment Tonight. So it's like, it's a full circle, you know, that I actually ended up 
in the field and industry that I once dreamed of. It's a different role, but mm -hmm. in my opinion, it's an even greater role. Yeah. What, what a shame that you ever had to have those thoughts, right? I mean, it's something that we're always working towards is, is trying to encourage young people. You truly can be whatever it is you want. And, you know, we're making strides and we're going to talk, you know, a lot about the work you're doing. One of the stories, um, I, you spoke about it in another interview and it struck me early on in your career, there was a man in your, he was a colleague and he was someone that continually brought up your name in meetings. So he was such an advocate for you. Um, sometimes we label that sponsor. Yeah. What kind of impact did that have on you for yeah. him to do that in your rise to leadership? Yeah. And, and I had lots of male allies and advocates in my young career um, when, when it was not even labeled. It did not even have... Uh, a label, but what it was, and I, and I credit the angels that have, um, you know, from my mother on to my allies, male and female allies, as those who saw things in me that I couldn't see in myself, they're so invaluable and their trusted confidence that everyone needs trusted confidence that could see things in you. And so there, there did become a time when um, in my career where I was caught up in a system and we call these systemic barriers that exist that the greatest person in the world, greatest boss in the world cannot fix, you know? So sometimes mm -hmm. it's not the boss or, you know, the, the team you're on, sometimes it's these systems that are set up in corporate America that can't be undone. And I think this is who you are referring to, one of my bosses that really fought for me to advance. He recognized uh, more in me that I should be doing more, that constantly brought up my name. And it, it took years, but eventually I think that I broke some... Um, some records and some barriers in that organization from advancing to, from an entry level role all the way up into a, uh, a, a, a marketing role and even on the global brand team uh, traveling all over the world for my organization. Yeah. Um, you talk about obstacles you faced as an African-American businesswoman in the South. Mm -hmm. Is there one particular experience that stands out for you? Um, and I also want to know, my guess is all these years later, you handle these situations much differently today. Um, yep, yep. And I'm sure they still come up. So I'd love to hear how you do that. Yeah. You know, I think of faith and resilience and, you know, um, and, and lead by example is my mantra to, you know, always try to focus on the positive and seeing the glass half full instead of half empty. I think that's just in me. But to, to answer your question, an incident that really scarred me. Um, and, 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 you know, and I, I thought, you know, actually it, it really empowered me if I really look at it with it, with a glass half full is once the wonderful organization that I did break through all these barriers to get, the CEO of a $6 billion business that I was working in, um, the, the, the board decided to sell off this division. So the company was, you know, disbanding. Um, it, it was becoming a totally different company. And uh, I was married at the time and could not relocate with the new company. And so my um, CEO of the division I was in was, he was referring me to all of his partners his peers and saying, Hey, she's great. She's wonderful. And these were customers down in the South that I won't name, but they were major manufacturers and major corporations that I had experience with. And none of them would give me a job. None of them would trust giving me a role. Many of the roles I was um, qualified for and interviewing for were vice president of marketing and brand manager. And so this was 17 years ago. And then one, one organization in particular, I interviewed with three uh, vice presidents, all white male, 
um, two um, directors of HR. One was a white female, one was a black female. And they all loved me. They all were saying, oh, this is great. This is, she's going to be great. She, you know, comes from this major company. She's going to be good for us. And the last interview I had was with the CEO of the organization. And I was like, I got this job. I know I have it. There's no way I would get past all of these. And I remember walking into his office and this was over months. It was a job. It was a huge job. And walking in his office and I noticed that he was young. He was dressed sharp. And I was like, yes, this guy is going to, he's young, he's innovative, open-minded. Yes, this is in a, in a nutshell. And he was very nice. And he said to me that, he said, you have everything that I think that you, um, I, I mean, we would be honored to have you as a brand manager. You have every bit of experience that one could hope to have in a role like this. He said, but I'm afraid that you're not the right fit. That was his, that was what he said mm. to me. So I did not get the job. And at that time, ironically, just to do something creative and something like almost like a hobby, I was exploring the idea of this magazine. And to me, that was in my, my faith and, and that inner voice of that higher power was telling me, do something different. Do not go for not one more interview. Go ahead with the magazine. And my first publisher's page was the right fit. I took that, you know, what was negatively said, and I started going on this advocacy for women, for women of all races, cultures, and backgrounds to be able to advance in their career, to have fair opportunity to stop all of these biases and these microaggressions and, and to close this horrendous gender gap. I, from that, was empowered to just go insane. And that was 17 years ago. Wow. And fast forward to today, lots has happened. So that was the catalyst for the magazine. The catalyst. What, what does one do when they decide I'm going to publish a magazine? What is the very first thing that you do? Pray. But anyway, <laughs> I went out, I, I went out, I listened, I researched again, I researched, I Google, I did everything one should do. And a lot took place. Because there's financials, right? You have to get, you know, there's, you need a product for advertisers. You need advertisers to keep the magazine going. Um, how, what comes first? I was like a kid. I was, it was like I was in kindergarten. I took this, you're talking about something that organically took place. I first started joining networking groups, the chamber of commerce, anything that an entrepreneur, but one thing that helped me tremendously is I found a magazine that I would want to pattern myself after. And I called the publisher and I offered to help them free of charge on an initiative if they would help me. And that is when my journey started. That's so smart. That is really, really good advice. You know, to, to put yourself out there for free, but you're learning. That's so valuable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, listen, we're going to go into our first break and, and we'll be back. Stay with us for um, a beautiful spot from one of our corporate partners, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And I'll be back with Dr. Sheila Robinson. We are CHOP. And we can't wait to show you around. We're the nation's first children's hospital. Now, a care network with more than 50 locations that continues to expand. Three state-of-the-art research buildings with 1.5 million square feet of space. We have grown from 12 beds 165 years ago to nearly 600 beds and one of the best children's hospitals in the world. We have a level one trauma center 11 floors of patient units, more than 20 operating rooms, first-of-its-kind delivery unit for babies with birth defects, a separate cardiac operative and catheterization suite, and places to learn, like our internationally recognized simulation center. We have trained generations of leaders in the field of pediatrics, 
We are world leaders in medicine, surgery, and science. One of the top recipients in NIH funding for pediatric research. In this building, pioneers in CAR-T therapy, mitochondrial disease, brain tumors, hyperinsulinism, and other rare diseases. Here, groundbreaking work in fetal surgery, genetics and genomics, and neurology. In our newest building, leaders in social determinants of health, clinical informatics and epidemiology, autism, trauma and injury prevention. Our patients come from every state and 115 countries. challenges requires the best and the brightest. We are passionate about pediatrics. We are motivated to make a difference in the world and in our community. We are a team. We are CHOP. stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. You're watching Women to Watch, and I'm Sue Rocco, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Sheila Robinson. Uh, Sheila, again, is the founder of Diversity Woman Media. And I wanted to open up this segment, Sheila, with a quote. Um, you said, it's important to realize that all of us have unconscious biases. Even me, a person who has devoted my entire career to the advancement of all women. And I think it's so important for us all to kind of recognize that over and over. And it's really just comes from our life experiences. And so when I think about the work that you're doing, I often wonder, you know, the balance between teaching someone, people, human beings, how to be tolerant, accepting, um, curious about people from all different walks of life, and actually implementing programs um, when you're working with companies. So talk a little bit about that and how you find, you know, what's working and what perhaps is holding things back. Yeah. You know, the key word that comes to mind is empathy. Empathy is such a powerful word um, because I feel that my role in doing the work did not become as, if, as effective as it is now until I recognize my own unconscious biases. And so I'm going to share a little story that I was very shamed about, but, but it, it helped me grow and develop as I help others. And one, um, I don't know about you, but I love a great flight. I'll tell you now, put me on an airplane and a great flight, get me where I'm going at a quick time. It's wonderful. But I've had one too many flights with turbulence that scared me to death. Yeah, I don't and like so that. <laughs> I'm very, very funny about airlines. So the first time that I walked on a plane and saw a woman pallet, I gasped, you know, and what this, now, now, uh, stick a pen there, stay with me, because what happened, what happened when I gasped? Fear stepped into place. Mm. Fear stepped into place. Uncertainty stepped into place. But why did it step into place? Because coming up historically, the only thing I saw was a pallet was a white male flying a plane. So the minute I saw something different, I gasped and my fear, uncertainty, and, and doubts. So what that taught me is number one, Sheila, you're the biggest advocate for women. You put people on the cover of your magazine that drive women that drive trucks, women that do some of the most untraditional things. So you should be ashamed of yourself for not feeling the same way about a pallet. But I had to separate the two and they helped me understand that 
fear and um, uncertainty and those doubts is happening the same time somebody look at me and they're so used to someone that they're more familiar with, maybe someone that looks, sits at their dinner table, someone that, you know, they socialize with and that they might trust working closely with that person that they're more familiar with, okay? So it caused me to have a great level of empathy for someone that I may have just said previously, they're, they're racist or they are sexist or they are, you know, they're doing this to me because, no, sometimes they're not just doing it to you because they are a bad person. It's because historically they don't know anything else to do. Mm -hmm. And so it helped me in my training and developing and working with people of understanding differences and, and to start highlighting our differences as an advantage, as a plus, as I did with this woman, Palette. Oh, she's going to be major because she's going to land this plane. And then you look at what happened with the female plane that saved so many lives in the Southwest plane. You start looking and, and uh, for the differences and how this differences is going to give you uh, enhance your experience and, and, and really create the same experience, if not better. And so I took my that incident and that experience I had, and I've started incorporating it in my work with others. Mm. So tell me a little bit about that, you know, the program. So if you step into um, a project with a company and you're there to help with their um, diversity and inclusion initiatives, what types of things are you doing with them? Well, first and foremost, I like to uh, work with women. Uh, so gender diversity. Um, I have events where I bring women of all races, cultures, and backgrounds across the spectrum together so we can learn and grow and develop together. And I like to dispel myths. We, I dispel, I dispel myths. You know, I, I challenge them to think beyond the same type of thing that my mother and my mentors and my sponsors in Africa did, did to think beyond what you know, um, that level, if you think your highest level is there, let's think above that. And so I have all types of um, workshops and different things where I do to help women advance. I also like working with the men because we're not, we don't need to fix ourselves. We're already fixed. The problem needs to be fixed within the systems, within unconscious bias, within uh, things that are happening in the organization that creates barriers for women to advance. And so what I share, I, some of the things like, for example, I, uh, I try to get, um, I have an empathy initiative where I try to get men to see uh, it from another lens. Do you have daughters? How would you like to have a wife who's CEO of a company and you go out and play golf? You know, there are instances where I know of cases where a young lady whose husband is disabled and she is the head of household. So is it fair for her to not receive the income that her husband would receive if he was able to work? So that's how you create empathy among your audience to give them um different versions and visions and different um, uh, situations for them to see themselves in. So how hopeful are you that one day when we have conversations, there will be no characterization of color or race or gender or uh, not that there isn't those differences. See, this is one of the things that gets tricky because we all come from different places and we have different traditions and cultures. But when it comes to ability, um, there's no limit, I, whether it's a woman or a man. So you've been doing this a long time. Have you seen a lot of changes? And how hopeful are you that we're continuing to go in the right direction? Well, uh, that's a loaded question. But, you know, I could tell you where I vision, visualize myself. I know everybody has heard of the um, the story about the little boy throwing seashells into the ocean. You know, it's impossible to save them all, but you know, I saved that one. Uh, and, and, and that's how I feel in the work that not only that I have been doing for the last two decades, 
But work, this work has been relevant for decades historically as, as, you know, as long as we can look back. It may have a different name. It may not have been called diversity. It may have been called something else. I honestly feel that this is going to be ongoing because we're all different. We all have different backgrounds. And some of the things that causes some of these problems are economics, politics, you know, religion. These are things that cannot be fixed, but they can um they they can be addressed, okay? Things can get different, things can get better. Will they will they be fixed permanently? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have no hope whatsoever in my lifetime or the generations behind me because we're human and we're just so different. But, you know, like I said, I try to see the glass half full and half empty. And my hope is that things will get much better in, in, in my legacy. I don't believe that I will um, I don't have to live to see the change or the difference. I just hope that it happens. I uh, and I hope that the work that I am doing will will um, help others become better. Yeah, that's a beautiful, realistic outlook. I would say because I think if you don't see the truth of things, you can be in a constant state of frustration, and mm-hmm. rather than feeling that the small steps um, are rewarding. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Tell me what, um, Sheila, what is your mantra for your moments of fear? How mm-hmm. do you, what do you say to yourself to bring you out of that? Well, generally, you know, um, uh, my mantra has always been lead by example. If there is a, a situation that, you know, cause you to exercise emotional intelligence. I believe in, you know, the, the, if you, if you don't know about the theory of emotional intelligence to your order audience, I urge you right now to run and, and get a book on it. And so, you know, my faith, um, so lead by example, um, my faith and, and believing that, um, you know, something good is going to come out of it. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I guess lead by example is my biggest mantra that to say that this is how I'm going to handle something because I have to wake up and look at myself in the mirror or I have to sleep at night. I do not um, try to not to focus on what someone else does or says, because this is one of my sayings that keeps me going. And this may be a better mantra to the question you just asked. What someone says or does is a reflection of who they are. What I say and do is a reflection of who I am. And I learned that because someone says something, I don't have to respond to them the way they treated me. I don't have to, that because who they are has absolutely nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. What they say has absolutely nothing to do with me. Only this person inside knows who I am, what I stand for, what I believe in, and um and 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 want to do right by all people. And then and and we'll exercise a bit of empathy for that um uh the opposition. And and some of that empathy could be, you know what, I never want to respond like that. So learn from that, Sheila. Some of that empathy could be, you never know what's going on with that person. So if you can walk away and avoid this, do that. Some of that empathy could be, um, I, I, I know that I am right, but it doesn't matter. You, I can, I can, I know how to disagree, um, you know, to resolve, I, I can agree to disagree and be okay with it. Less, you know, the only thing you want the outcome is to be healthy 
healthy for both parties involved. And that is just my, my philosophy on that. Sheila, do you think that women have a higher EQ than men in general? Is that um, one of one of our traits or qualities? Um, I'm not sure that EQ, uh, I've never looked at EQ by um, from a gender perspective, but what I think women do have as um, on, on, you know, in, in their, um, to their advantage is that we're nurturers. We are so used to uh, something about the way that we respond motherly. And sometimes those skill sets help you with EQ. Um, and, and that's not particular, um, you know, a, a trait that, that men, uh, are known for. And for the list, the viewers who, who may not be familiar with EQ, everyone is not, um, although we've been reading a lot about it, how would you describe it in, in a sentence? I always think of it as an ability to connect with others and feel kind of their emotion, whether it's joy or pain or fear. Mm -hmm. um, how do you describe it, particularly well, when you're working with clients? Yeah, well, I think that's the empathy part of it, what you described, but exercising emotional intelligence is actually how you respond to any given situation. If you drop a dozen of eggs and if you're walking in the door with two bags of grocery and one bus open and a dozen of eggs pop out, how your your level of emotional intelligence can be measured by how do you respond? If you respond with explicit da-da-da, why did I do that? Now my whole day is gone. This is, you know, you know, your EQ is 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 pretty low. But if you respond like just an accident, Sheila. You drop some eggs, visualizing your head, how you're going to clean it up, get it done. You have 10 minutes to do that and go on and not let it ruin your day. That is a high level emotional intelligence. And that's how you're going to respond if your luggage is lost, if you're caught in the rain, if someone cuts you off in um, uh, traffic, road rage. That is so uh, important because many people only apply this to their professional life. But if you apply it to your personal life, you would transform into a totally different person. Mm -hmm. And that's why I am a strong, strong component of emotional intelligence and in measuring where your EQ is. Yeah, I, I think it's a huge um, part of kind of just getting through life. And if you're someone that, you know, is very touch with the news and the headlines and what's going on specifically around politics. It seems there's a real lack of emotional intelligence because everybody's very heightened emotionally. And I think if you're teaching others how to not let their emotions rule their, their day, um, that's an incredible lesson to learn. Yeah. And the empathy part of it, it doesn't mean that I'm going to feel sorry for Sue because she has this going on and she can get by with things. It means, no, I understand what she's experiencing. So now I know how to address it. I know to say, okay, Sue, you have this going on. So I'm going to recommend you do this to help you. Empathy means not that people can take advantage of you or get by with doing something wrong, but you have the power now to know what's going on so you can provide a solution to it. You can provide a solution to it, whether you help that person um, do something differently, whether you remove yourself from the occasion, but at all times, you're never getting angry. You never get impacted by it. You're never feeling like you've done wrong. You have empowered yourself to address a situation by knowing what's going on with the other person and not letting it impact you and, and, and create a, a roadblock in your day. Yeah. It's just, it's just a fascinating. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of like right? being in the flow, living in the flow, right? Rolling yeah. with things that are coming at you. Um, we just have a minute left. Um, you've worked with some very high caliber, uh, notable companies and, and clients. I wonder if there's, 
an organization that you haven't yet worked with that you would like to? Yeah. Oh, I just feel like, you know what? I don't pick organizations. This is what this is who I would like to work with. Anyone who is committed to closing the horrendous gender gap in their organization, anyone who wants to bring their um, transform um, the culture of their organization to be more inclusive, anyone who wants to unite in purpose, unite in mission, and to work with someone who has an understanding for all parties involved, whether it is whether you if you have some division in your organization uh, through race, politics, religion, um, sexual orientation, uh, whatever, I am someone who I, I teach and train from a lens of empathy, and I feel that I can unite and help organizations become more inclusive and acceptable uh, for all involved. Well, listen, you're you're an incredible role model, I think, in particularly for women. So um, it was really wonderful to have you with me today. And uh, I hope you'll stay in touch. And I thank you for joining us. And thank you for the work you're doing, Sue. It's very, very important. Hats off to you for women to watch. Thank you so much. Stay with us. And up next will be Sherry Morrison, our Lifestyle Watch contributor. She'll be joined by Sue Miller, the owner of Birch Run Hills Farm. I think I mispronounced that earlier. We'll be right back. Action News, celebrating 50 years of AccuWeather. The heat is on. In 2010, Philadelphia had a record of 55 days at or over 90 degrees. And those scorchers, they're on the rise. In fact, 10 of the 15 hottest summers occurred in the last two decades. Thank you for always trusting us to keep you informed. You're streaming and we're streaming. Get the AccuWeather forecast and severe storm alerts 24-7 on our 6ABC streaming app. Whether you're just getting started, already well on your way, planning for your future, drafting your vision, growing toward greatness, or finding that dreams really can come true. Whatever your next steps are, we'll be right here with you, just like we have been for 150 years. Start here, grow here, stay here. Penn Community Bank, here we grow. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The following is a real testimonial from the father of a young injured victim. I didn't think she was going to make it. Major Perry's daughter was the victim of a horrific accident caused by someone else's negligence. If you don't find the right counselor, law firm that you're looking for, you will get lost in the wilderness. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Bianculli Law Firm at 215-458-2222 and find out why they say, we got this. Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. The big story on Action News tonight. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Welcome to the lifestyle segment of Women to Watch. I'm Sherry Morrison. Today I have the pleasure of introducing owner, farmer, and cheesemaker from Birch Run Hills Farm. Please say cheese to Sue Miller. Welcome to the show, Sue. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you. It's great to see you. Sue and I have worked a little bit together over the years, when, especially when I was at uh, Caramora State Vineyard and Winery. Uh, doing some wine and cheese pairings. We had some great fun. So uh, Sue has been in the suburbs of Philadelphia, enjoying nature and being creative her entire life. Sue, please tell us a little bit about growing up in Chester County. Yeah, I grew up in northern Chester County, and I still live in northern Chester County in the Chester Springs area. 
my mother, I think, really fancied herself as uh, kind of getting back to the land. And we grew up uh, half a mile back a dirt road and just had this incredible upbringing there. You know, we kind of, it was a little wild and woolly, if you could say, you know, out with animals. I was in 4-H. We had piglets and chickens and sheep. As I was a teenager, I really was interested in horses and worked at a lot of um, local stables and really just have always felt this connection to animals. Yeah, um, it's it's a fun experience. I was fortunate. I didn't have all the animals, but I did grow up in an area that was similar to that with the open surroundings and just enjoying enjoying nature and, and making it a big part of your life and being creative with, you know, all the different elements that are right at your fingertips, not depending on a computer to keep you entertained. There was, there was nothing that brought you back to the house at the end of the day, except for darkness and dinner. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yep. So after college, you met your husband, Ken, and from the sounds of it, the two of you were a perfect match, which came first, loving the animals or Ken? <laughs> well, that's a question. Um, he did come first, but we did meet over animals. He came and uh, visited with me at a horse show of all things, which was really fun. And he had an interesting upbringing too. His father was a school teacher and he didn't grow up on a dairy farm, but from the moment he could walk and talk, all he wanted to do was be a farmer. I mean, everybody in the community knew that, whether it was his teachers or the neighbors or, you know, Folks at church, they knew that that's what Ken wanted to do. And so when I met him, he was milking cows. And I thought, this is a perfect life. In fact, my mother said to me, this is a life you were meant to live. So which came first? I don't know. I think it's a win-win no matter what, when it comes to cows or Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Um so as the big cheese maker, uh, you do not stand alone. This farm and business is a family affair. Uh, you shared a few stories about, about how this was all meant to be. And now your two sons, they both attended Cornell and are interested in continuing and building a bigger future for the farm. Please tell us a little bit more about your family heritage and the development of Birch Run Hills Farm. Yeah, as Ken and I were, you know, raising our family with our two kids, Randy and Jesse, our whole life centered around the farm. So everything that was farm focused, our kids went along. We never ate dinner unless we ate it together. And so that meant many times we were in the field or at a tractor or you know up at the barn and I would just pack up dinner and the kids would go with me and we'd lay out a picnic and we would always eat our meals together. They were privy to, you know, the triumphs of farming, the challenges of farming, they saw it all. They saw the challenges of hard weather years, but also the beauty of, say, a calf being born on Christmas Day. They were right there by our sides. So when they came back to us while they were in college, each at different times of their college career, to say they wanted to come back and work with us on the farm, they knew all that was involved in it. So that was really exciting for my husband and I to really be able to welcome the next generation and kind of help facilitate this new vision for our family farm. Listen, we had been struggling for many years as first generation dairy farmers. Listen, the dairy industry is tough. And so is, are so many small businesses, right? So we used to be fairly conventional and just ship our milk to our local cooperative, which was Land Lakes, And we found that it became so challenging to make ends meet. You know, we'd have short highs in milk prices that sort of would carry us for these long lows. And so my husband went on a trip to New Mexico to visit large dairies out there. And he came back and he said, you know, I feel like I've really seen a big part of the future of dairy farming. And it really doesn't suit us. You know, we live in this little hilly area of uh, Northern Chester County with beautiful verdant pastures and rolling hills and fertile farmland, but we can't expand into infinity and nor did we want to. So I literally woke up one morning and I thought, I'm going to learn how to make cheese. And so I took a cheese making class with a cheese maker from Vermont 
His name is Peter Dixon. He and his wife, Rachel, have their own cheesemaking operation up there called Parish Hill Creamery. But he is a man who is so giving with his knowledge. I often think of him kind of like the Johnny Appleseed of cheesemaking. <laughs> all over the United States teaching farmers and artisans how to make cheese. So I took this class with him and we were able to get started on a small quirky rented facility four miles down the road from our farm. So our kids saw that there was some sort of potential as we had continued to slowly grow and nurture this business of cheese making here at Bertrand Hills Farm. Yeah. With it, with like you said, with the communities transitioning and developing, losing the farmland and the sources for feed, it's, it's challenging. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there are many people out there who think all you need to make cheese is milk. But you were, you, you are completely self-contained, as many of the um, cheese and dairy farms are. It's not just about making cheese and milk. It's you're growing all of the crops and the feed to feed the cows. You're up to, I think you said, 80 heads of Holstein right now. Um, that's a lot of cows to take care of and feed. And uh, if you don't have all of that land right at your fingertips, now you have to go out and either find somebody to grow the crops for you and buy them for it, or you sublet your own land out for somebody to take care of because you don't have the labor to do it yourself. It's it's a really, really difficult situation. Um, and how fortunate for you to wake up and, and realize that, making cheese was going to make it a huge difference for you. How did, how did you think that was going to help you um, save the farm? Like what does cheese do for you that is so changing to your culture? <laughs> well, it really allows us to take this milk that is such a part of what we do here. You know, we're so connected to the land and caring for the soil, you know, and this is actually really influential in the quality of the milk and the outcome of the cheese because right. nurturing the soil, we're growing these beautiful crops that translate into the nutrition for the cows. Mm -hmm. We're the cows, we're caring for them. You know, we're milking them every day and then we're taking that milk and transforming it into this beautiful cheese. And that allows us to really add value to the milk. Before, when we shipped our milk out on the milk truck, um, we weren't in charge of how, you know, that milk was going to be marketed. It was mm -hmm. co with milk from all over and that was fine, but we needed to get a higher value. So we saw that we had this great land where we live. We have these amazing herd of cows. We love to care for them and we really enjoy making cheese. And I love people. So I love bringing that cheese out to people to share with them what we really do with the land when you think about it in these little cheeses. And, you know, like how we would have so much fun pairing cheese and wine. Um, sometimes people can be intimidated by that. But really, if it tastes good to you, it should fill you up. <laughs> no, you know, people are intimidated by tastings, you know, when they, a lot of people won't attend a wine tasting or a cheese tasting because they feel like they don't know anything. But if you have a good product and you have a good teacher and an experience that explains it to them on layman's terms, you know, I've, I've done wine tastings. People know nothing and they're they're so scared when they get in there and they're tasting the wine. It's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to taste. And it was like, you taste what you like. It doesn't really matter. Everybody tastes something different. There's no right or wrong or black or white answer to any of it. So just enjoy the experience and love it. It's it's such a great story that you have about pivoting and transition tr transitioning your farm. Um, and you make such a beautiful assortment of cheeses. Um that are available all around Philadelphia, the surrounding areas, top restaurants, retail stores like the Bruno Brothers, Kimberton Whole Foods, um, a lot of different markets. I don't know if you're in Wegmans or not, uh, but you have been in, extremely involved, not only with making cheese, but with the whole community. You're president of the Pennsylvania Cheese Guild, among other organizations, um, and just the maturity of your beautiful facility and what it can be used for. You're, you're using it for team building, corporate and private events, you have cheese tastings, and what a fabulous experience to be able to enjoy the cheese right there overlooking the beautiful farmland right next to the gorgeous 
huge brown-eyed cows. What can get any better than that? Explain about some of the different programs that you do. Yeah, these are, it's always wonderful to have people at the farm, Sherry. You know, we do a lot of farmer's markets, so we meet people at farmer's markets in the region as well. But the ultimate is having folks come right here to the farm. On Friday afternoons, we started doing this fun pop-up and happy hour. We have a local winemaker here, brings wine down, and we make uh, a curated cheese plate every week. And people can come and everything's transparent. You know, you're sitting here, they can visit with the cows. They can see how they're cared for. They can see the fields where they're grazing and across the valley at fields that we've been farming for, for years. And then they can sit here and eat the cheese. And I feel like there's such a deep appreciation for this agricultural product. You know, it can't be overlooked. You can't just say, oh, well, cheese comes from the grocery store or it comes from Europe because it's yeah. actually, when you come to the farm, you see that the cows are here. My family's here. We're caring for it and we're bringing it right out to share with people. And that is a pretty joyful experience for a dairy farmer because, you know, it's 24 seven, no matter what. We're here working. There's no days off. The cows keep going no matter what. Yeah, you're probably in your 10th hour for today already, or 11th hour uh, of working, not just awake, but working. Um, and I love some of the names of the different cheeses that you have. Uh, everybody look for the fat cat, the red cat, Ola, little shardy when you go to the stores. Um, so they, they have wonderful qualities. They're delicious. They're, they're known all over the area as being high quality cheese. So don't ever think that you can only get great cheese in Vermont or from Europe. Um, it's right here in Pennsylvania. There's so much we can talk about making cheese, how it's affected by the weather, ingredients, science, your intuition, making it yours, which is so much like winemaking. It's about the quality of the ingredients in the terroir or the land. Um, thank you, Sue, for joining us. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, thank you for your time, your talent, and your education. I hope you'll join us again sometime. Thanks for having me. Uh, consider me your cheese gal. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> to learn more about Sue, Birch Run Hills Farm, events, visiting, learning all about cheese making, locations to purchase their products or order online, go to www.birchrunhillsfarm.com. Sue will be right back after to close out the show. Ladies, keep living your dreams. Action News, celebrating 50 years of AccuWeather. The heat is on. In 2010, Philadelphia had a record of 55 days at or over 90 degrees. And those scorchers, they're on the rise. In fact, 10 of the 15 hottest summers occurred in the last two decades. Thank you for always trusting us to keep you informed. You're streaming and we're streaming. Get the AccuWeather forecast and severe storm alerts 24-7 on our 6ABC streaming app. Whether you're just getting started, already well on your way, planning for your future, drafting your vision, growing toward greatness, or finding that dreams really can come true, whatever your next steps are, we'll be right here with you, just like we have been for 150 years. Start here, grow here, stay here. Penn Community Bank. Here we grow. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. The following is a real testimonial from the father of a young injured victim. I didn't think she was going to make it. Major Perry's daughter was the victim of a horrific accident caused by someone else's negligence. If you don't find the right counselor, law firm that you're looking for, you will get lost in the wilderness. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Bianculli Law Firm at 215-458-2222 and find out why they say, we got this. 
Do you stream on a Roku, a Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Watch Action News Live. The big story on Action News tonight. Plus special programming, breaking news, and severe weather updates. Tremendous amounts of rain. Always on. Always the news team you trust. Watch 6ABC 24-7 on your streaming device. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Welcome back, and thank you so much for joining me for another week of Women to Watch. Thanks, as always, to Katiri and Tone for producing the show, and all of our Watch Team members for their contributions each and every week. Uh, Next week, I'll be joined by Edwige Robinson, who is the Senior Vice President of T-Mobile. Thanks, everyone, and have a great week. We can do a summer party. It's the weather. Can we do this show outside or on the roof? (laughs) Weekdays at 9 on 6ABC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.